What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Vernon and Zama back on the show. The Wizards are 0-3. Not much good stuff to talk about, uh, but we'll probably spend a good amount of this pod talking about Scott Brooks. But uh, And there's a little stuff to be encouraged by. It's not all terrible, but I want to hear from you. So overall, you know, 0-3, I mean... How are you feeling? What are you seeing? Uh, man. Um, let me start with the little bit, the the little good that I see. You know, uh, there are some encouraging things with, uh, obviously with Denny, um, with Bonga because he's been a present, uh, pleasant surprise. Um, mm-hmm. with Raul Neto, uh, I mean he's playing at a very high level. Level. Um, and there's some things I can pull out that say, man, this could be a good team. The problem is the head coach, it just seems like he does not know what he has. Mm-hmm. And if he does know what he has, he does not know how to deploy what he has at the appropriate times. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and, it, and it's how many years now have we come back to him and said you know the talent is there but you got a guy who isn't using it properly like I mean we keep, I, I always go back to that Boston Celtics series that, that playoff run I mean to not play Ubre at all you know you had Sadoransky just, just sitting on the bench like I, I and and in the mismatches that you would have been able to exploit, and you just didn't do it. Yeah. And then here we are, fast forward again. Like it just seemed like it's just every year. You can you can you can count them five to ten games where you say the coach blew you that game, like a winnable game that's gone because of just coaching. And you look at the other sideline and you watch other teams and you're like, man, why couldn't we do that? Like, that team isn't more talented than us, you know? But they squeak out these tough wins because of proper execution, X's and O's game in the fourth quarter. We miss that. We don't have it. It's just, it's like, it's just like you're playing with a handicap, man. I'm just getting sick of it. Yeah, it's um, and the fans are like, "Oh, it's three games in." No, guys, this is this is years in at this point. This is hundreds of games at this point, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so it is more than a small sample size of games that we have gotten to see Scott Brooks coach this team, and. I'm not, again, and I said this in my little video rant on Twitter, if you were able to see that, I'm not discrediting Scott Brooks's coaching resume, his history. I'm not here to discredit that. I'm just here to discredit his time with the Wizards. I'm going on based off what I've seen, based on the teams that we've had, based on the games that I've seen. And I just don't see how after what will be now his his fifth year 
and you think that he's the right guy to to lead a team to take you to a championship with this team because you looked at Scott Brooks's time at OKC and you said okay there's a lot of young guys here they're going to develop and he was able to get them to the finals but the wizards don't have as much talent that the those OKC teams had even Nowhere close. even that 16 17 team when we went to the the second round we didn't have as much talent as those OKC teams did um but just the overall evaluation of Scott Brooks, he's fine with player development. He is not good with X's and O's. He does not know how to make adjustments, and he does not know how to manage lineups. And again, which again goes back to knowing your personnel. And I just think he has no clue. And when you have all of those problems and your only good takeaway from him is, Okay, well, he's good at developing young players. Hmm. That, to me, just doesn't scream head coaching material. That is more of a support role as an associate head coach or an assistant coach. That is not head coach material. You need, and I said this in my little video rant, too. I said head coaches need to be creative, innovative, and you need to know your X's and O's, and you need to know your personnel. All of those four things are a must. And he has sure. not one of them. For sure. So, and, go ahead. I mean, his warts, they go back to OKC. I mean, if you talk to Thunder fans, they'll tell you about Kendrick Perkins getting extended minutes over Ibaka. You know, when it was clear that we were hitting into that small ball positionless basketball era and Scott Brooks was committed to his plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of playing Kendrick Perkins. And it's like, dude, like, we get it. Like, you have a plan going in, but sometimes you got to switch the plan up. You got to have a counter. You got to assess what's happening in front of you and say, okay, we need to make a change. Like, I just yeah. don't see how you watch Raul Neto get bullied by Markel Fultz, possession out to possession. I mean, just driving right past him or or you're stepping through his body, taking yeah. contact and ones, getting layups, and you just say, "Oh, that's fine." <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's just, and you got Bonga just sitting on the bench, like, and Troy what Brown. What are you doing? What was that? I couldn't hear you. And Troy Brown, for that matter, because if if you talk about like replacing a point guard and there's someone that can handle the ball, like just a body to put on him. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah. well, well, Troy at this, Brown. Well, at this point, he had Troy Brown in the game. Troy Brown was busy trying to run around screens to guard Terrence Ross, and he was getting ate up. Terrence Ross was just running them off screens, and, you know, Troy would get hit by a screener, and he falling all out of bounds, falling down, and, Troy, and, and, and Ross was just getting easy looks. And, you know, of course, gotcha. they're going in, because when he plays us, he's Kobe Bryant. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's just like, how do you just sit there and watch that and do nothing and throw your hands up when they make a shot? <laughs> like, I'm just sitting there, like, I'm just like, yo, what would Spolstra do? What would Spolstra do if he saw that? Or Brad Stevens? What would Brad Stevens do if he saw that? I mean, even the Magic, 
they went, they they watched Brad Bill cook Fournier for three quarters. And then in the fourth, they was like, enough is enough. We are going to trap him. We're going to send doubles at him. Every time he touches the ball, somebody else is going to beat us. That's why you only scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. Because they literally decided that Bradley Beal was not going to beat him. If he was going to hit a shot, it was going to be over two defenders. It was going to be in a crowd. And and that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, this is just this is basic stuff, man. It is. Like, yeah. if a guy is cooking you, okay, well, let's make an adjustment for him to stop cooking us. I just don't get it. And it, it really, I think... And so I don't know if it's coaching X's and O's wise or if Scott Brooks literally just does not respect a single person in the NBA because they cannot defend a pick and roll. They never, never prioritize guarding shooters. And then we wonder why everyone comes out. Like you can be the 12th, 13th man on the opponent's bench and come out and get 20, 25 points. And it's because there it's like there's no scouting report out there for any of these guys there is no respect for the talent that are on all of these talented 30 nba teams and it's the same thing like year after year like again we said this terrence ross looks like freaking kobe bryant against us or (laughs) kevin durant and we've seen it now for like Four years straight, probably even longer, taking back this Toronto days. And yeah. we we still can't stop him. It's like, what film do you guys watch? What do you guys go over and practice? I, I don't understand. Yeah, and with totally different players. So that tells you something there. Like, it's not the players. You could bring in all the different players you want. If you got that same head coach, it's going to be the same thing because it's the same game plan. It's the same philosophy. Like, I just don't understand how you, you know, the Magic don't have a lot of shooters. I mean, it's really Terrence Ross. And Evan Fournier. And Fournier. So my immediate, my immediate thought as a coach, I'm going to say this as, you know, the game plan is if you're guarding those two guys, you don't leave them. Like, why are you helping off of Fournier to go down and try to stop a Vucevic two-pointer and then leaving Fournier for a three. Like, it just doesn't... This, I mean, this is basic stuff. You know, if, if, if Dwayne Bacon is going to hit a three, okay. You know? If, yeah. if, if Aaron Gordon is going to hit a three, okay, we can live with those percentages. Faults, we can live with that. But why are you sagging off of Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier, the only two shooters on their entire team? <laughs> like, it just, it makes zero sense, man. And I'm like, what is, what is Brooks telling these guys? What, is, what are the, head, the assistant coaches telling these guys? Right, and it's like, so Mike Longabardi was brought in to fix the defense. If you have to go out there and hire a coach specifically for defense and immediately he becomes like basically your defensive coordinator, that is not a good sign as a head coach. Um, because Longabardi is the only one ever standing up coaching the defense, trying to get these guys in position, and Scott Brooks and Tony Brown are just sitting there on the bench throwing their hands up and putting their head in their hands. Like, uh, no. You two are supposed to be the ones that know the most about this stuff, so I don't understand why they're getting so frustrated. If they see that, like, in practice and in games that they're not picking it up, 
you identify what the problem is, and you hammer it home at this point because they clearly haven't because we're in year five and it's still the same thing. Yeah. Same deal, man. So it's I, I I really and I know that oh we had a good training camp blah 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 yeah that's really nice Scott but we're really tired of seeing piss poor basketball we're tired of seeing blown leads like even in our in our fantasy basketball chat as soon as the third quarter ended in the chat I was like yeah y'all know this comeback is coming right yep. and you're like yep yep it is and yep. what do you know and, and so it's just they can never play forty eight minutes. They never have a clue what's going on defensively. Their offense is Bradley Beal and then whoever offense. And it's just, <laughs> there is no game plan for anything. So it's like, so again, there's, so there's no game plan for anything. There is no consistent rotation. How do we expect these players to, to perform? Which is why I'm not putting blame so much on the players as I am the personnel because the wizards over this five-year span have had maybe not the greatest teams that they've had capable teams and they oh, yeah, for sure all for the most part underachieved save for that um that 16 17 year and then i'll give you that one year where john wallace basically injured the whole time and then he came back against toronto and we took them to six well i mean that- i would even say 16 17 i feel like they should have beat the Celtics. Like I, I feel like if you swap coaches, yeah, the yeah. Wizards win in five. Like because on talent, they were the more talented team. They were the bigger team. They were the more athletic team. They just got out coached. You know, I mean, Brad Stevens was hiding Isaiah Thomas on a six foot eight auto porter, and we did nothing to exploit that matchup. You had Bojan being misused. You had Ubre not playing. You know, we were the better team on roster, but we just thoroughly got outcoached. And it was the same then as it is now. Like, you would look like the better team for three quarters, and then in the fourth, adjustments are made, and you had no counter because you have no coaching. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and let's be real. With Scott Brooks, like, I mean, who couldn't coach James Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Ibaka on the same damn roster? I mean... That to me, like, like you can pull anybody off of the street and coach that and get them to the finals. Like I, I think true coaching is where you're you're getting the most out of lesser talented teams. Like you know what you saw, what you see the Pacers do, or what you see the Raptors do. Like they constantly win forty five plus games with a roster where you look at who's the who's the top twenty guy. You know, and, yeah. I, and I just, you know, Brad Stevens took a five foot nine Isaiah Thomas and go wins 50, 50 game. We don't have yeah. <laughs> no, and um, so well, I'm sure Scott Brooks will come up more during this pod, but let's let's go away to um, more to the players because, like we were saying, it's not all terrible, and there's been. A couple of pleasant surprises, but before we do that, um, I just wanted to quickly touch on the um, the options that Tommy did or didn't pick up. So, um, for those of you that didn't know, um, the the options come out every year for rookies on their deals, and they have up until a certain point to say, "Okay, we want them back for their third or fourth year, or 
we're going to let them test the waters in free agency because they just haven't proven enough. And so we've decided, of course, to keep Rui. And then um, they decided to keep Troy Brown, which I found interesting. And then they also, well, they declined Jerome Robinson and Mo Wagner, which I also found interesting. Um, so do you have any thoughts on any of those? I mean, we don't need to really talk about Rui because Rui was a no-brainer. But the other three, I, I think, kind of confused me to an extent. Um, the Troy Brown one, I get because I think they still value him as an asset. I think he's valued in the league as an asset. Now, whether he's a good fit here in the moment for the roster you have and how the coach, how Brooks is implementing his game plans, that's another discussion. But just as a player um, in his age, I think he's still an asset. So that wasn't surprising they picked that up. Um, Wagner and Robinson, you know, you took, you got those guys for free, basically. Um, and Wagner has fallen out of the rotation clearly since, you know, since last year. He, I mean, he can't stay on the floor because he fouls too much. But I don't so. see that's all his fault because, and I said this a while back before the season started, they're going to play Lopez to start the season because he's making more money. If you're talking about fit, and we even saw this in that preseason game, Mo Wagner is a very good fit with Russell Westbrook in the way that this team plays because he's crazy, he's energetic. I know he has some of his bad games sometimes, but are we going to act like Robin Lopez hasn't had bad games? Um, right. So I don't think that that's all on Mo Wagner, that he's not in the rotation. And Jerome Robinson has had moments where he looks like a better fit than Troy Brown does, um, specifically for this team. And now I think Troy Brown's still a better player than Jerome Robinson, but it's like, yeah, by how much? And so I didn't understand declining those options because if you want to eventually trade them, then you'll want the money that like the teams that are going to be trading for them. I mean, I would imagine would want that extra year so that they can get a look at them. So, I mean, just for your own roster for, for trade purposes, I didn't think it made a whole bu- a whole lot of sense to decline those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't think those guys are good enough to to warrant, you know, holding on to them. I mean, them being on your roster or not on your roster next season, I don't determine how good you, um, Jerome. You know, I've loved him coming out of the draft. And it's funny, I watched, you know, the Portland game last night, and it's like Gary Trent Jr., I mean, just went off. And it's like, that's what I thought Jerome was going to be, that guy off the bench that just kills you shooting threes, just flamethrower, microwave guy. And he just hasn't really been consistent enough in that. Like, he looked okay in the bubble. Um, But does he get consistent minutes? He's been bad. But again, so this goes back to Scott Brooks because nothing is consistent. Lineups are not consistent. How do you expect guys like that when you're brought into a completely new situation? Because it's like, okay, day one, we knew he was going to be the backup two. Okay, then he's the starting three. Okay, then he's back to the backup two. And then in the bubble, I thought he played really well. And then coming into the season, it's like, okay, well, maybe he'll start at the three. Maybe he'll be the backup two. And in this case, he's not even playing at all. So... I'm not understanding from a stability standpoint 
like, I'm just saying I feel for Jerome Robinson a little bit because, again, there's been times where he looks better than, than Troy Brown. He looks like a better fit for this team. I mean, he clearly, I think, has a better offensive game because I think he's a better shooter. He's a better finisher at the rim. He's not as good of a ball handler as as Troy. And Troy has better IQ and all that. But Jerome, I still think, warranted having that option accepted. And again, like, what's the harm? Who's signing here next year anyway? Who cares? So it's like you just get an extra year to evaluate for Wagner and Robinson. And if you don't like him after that next year, then oh well. Because by this point, or by that point, Brad will probably have requested a trade. And then now you'll be out of potentially two players that you could have helped build your roster with or farmed out for like second round picks or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, he's been really he's been really bad this year, man. Like, I'm looking at his number, you know, like per thirty six, two points. He's shooting. He hasn't hit a three yet. Like, I, for for the type of player he is, if he's not scoring at a high clip, he don't really do nothing else for you. So, like, he has to be like a Gary Trent Jr., where he comes in and he's that microwave scorer and he's shooting well. Because if he's not, there's really no place for him on the floor. At least with Troy Brown, if he's not hitting his shot, he has other ways he can impact the game. He rebounds at an above average level for his position. You know, he can play make. He plays decent man-to-man defense, although his team defense is terrible. Um, Whereas just with Jerome, like, he has to be a scorer. And on this team... You don't really need another guy that's trying to gun for, you know, shots and then does it at an inefficient way. You know, like he, I just don't see where, you know, you really play him. Like at this point, for the way this roster is set up, you know, with Beal and Russ, particularly Russ, I think they would get more out of the roster if Garrison Matthews got those minutes because then yeah. you have a guy that can move without the ball, get around screen. He's an, he has an elite skill in his shooting. Yeah. Um, and you putting him next to Russ, it makes sense. As opposed to putting Jerome next to Russ, and you're kind of like, uh, you know, Jerome not really being a good knockdown shooter, he kind of needs the ball to kind of get to his rhythm, get to his spot. But then that takes the ball out of Russ' hands, and then are you really a better team doing that? So, yeah, like I say, I don't think either one of them are good enough to really for it to really make a difference whether they're here or not. Um, it would have been nice, though, to, to maybe put them in some type of deal to get something back that you can actually use. But, right. you know, it's no telling if they have value around them. I know Troy Brown does, though. Well, and that's kind of my argument. Is It's not really because they've really proven that they deserve to come back. It's just... I feel like if you know that Brad is eventually going to want out or even if you want and you want like draft capital or even if you want bets, like I feel like those guys with the extra year on their contracts is better than guys whose deals are going to be expiring after this year, because then there's no guarantee that you get those guys back in the off season if you're the other team. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, let's get to the present surprises. Um, So we said before the year 
that the make or break of this team, and clearly it's it's a lot more than that, but essentially on the court-wise, you needed someone from the wing and from the three spot to be able to hit threes. So far, Denny Avdia and Isak Banga look like sharpshooters. They do. Um, <laughs> Denny continues to show that, I mean, I, Denny's going to be an all-star. I mean, there's there's no, I don't think there there's any scenario in which he never is. Um, I mean, he's he's very fundamentally sound, and, and the biggest thing coming out, and I know his free throw shooting is still it's it's terrible, um, but his <laughs> his three point shooting, I mean, he kind of looks like a little bit of a sniper out there, and I know he needs more reps, and he got a little bit um, gun happy uh, the last game. He thought he was Steph Curry at one point, but I mean, you like to see him being aggressive and taking more shots because I mean, he's making them. I mean, he looks great. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. go ahead. Um, I, I mean, I was just tweeting out like he's uh, the the one way I could just sum him up simply is that he's NBA ready. Yep, he's a smart basketball player. He's able to make decisions very quickly. Ball, and you rarely see him make mistakes. That's so rare for a nineteen year old. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how I don't know how much high end talent he has. Like, I can't peg him in as a all-star level player yet just yet um but i think like i was saying a while ago like i think his floor could be like a nick Batum, where you know yeah. at his peak he's a guy that just does a little bit of everything like he can get you 15 points seven rebounds five assists plays solid defense hits shots um you know that nick Batum that was in portland in his first season or two in Charlotte. He could be a winning player. I don't know about All Star because I don't. I don't know if I see the like, the high upside, athleticism, off the bounce ability. Maybe as his game grows, he adds that to his game. It's no telling. Right, he's nineteen. Yeah, he's only nineteen. Like the kind of the comp I was looking at, you know, like a floor of Nick Batum. And maybe a ceiling of like a Gordon Hayward do those guys are like playmaking wings that can also shoot, uh, do a little bit of everything. I think he could. I think he could be that for sure. I'm just just so impressed by more than anything his defense. Like I that to me is yeah he's the best defender on the team to me. He is. Yeah, I like said I, that I really early like, on. Yeah, like his cutups of his defense played in the film room like this is how you should play defense without fouling yes brad russ all y'all this is how you should do it yeah we struggle with that <laughs> yeah and um i mean also going back to bradley bureau quick and just the whole off dribble kind of thing like we're talking about with denny when, when brad came out he didn't have an off dribble game he was strictly come off yeah, for sure. screens and, and shoot the ball so um, I definitely think there's room for him to improve. I definitely think that with his defense and his three-point ability, and we even see like he can do some things in the post. Like He's really just got this all-around defined game, and if he doesn't get in foul trouble, I mean, you're talking about a guy who can get a double-double every night, and then with his playmaking ability, I mean, there's no reason he won't get some triple-doubles um, in his career. So, Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the 
Well, it depends on, you know, the offense and Russ and Beal in that equation because he's not going to get as many playmakers between the guys no. those two guys in the no. backcourt. No. But, but for sure, you know, if he's building his game out into his game the offseason, like I think he will, you know, he can definitely expand to that role where he could play any position for. Yeah. Um, Which is great. I mean, that's what the league is now. So. I mean, well, let's get to the main two on the roster here. So I, I really don't think that there's much to talk about with Bradley Beal, to be honest with you, because Bradley Beal is picking up right where he left off last year. And um, dare I say, he even looks more dangerous. Um, so, I mean, at this point, and the post-Gilbert Arenas area, where he's at right now is the best player that we've had. Yeah, um, I think I can go ahead and say that. Like he's he's right there behind Gill as as far as like offensive ability. Yeah, um, which is crazy to say because you know coming in like he was literally just he was like you know uh, uh, Tyler Hero basically, and yeah. to see how he's just expanded his game off the dribble is just crazy. Like, I mean, some of the moves he'd be doing, I'd just be like, God, why you do that to him like that, man? Like, I mean, he just had Fournier just out there on skates, man. Yeah, he, <laughs> he had no shot. Bad. He had no it was shot. Bad, man. And Fournier um, is not a bad defender. Nah, he not. He not. But, like, man, he looked like one against Bill. Um, yeah. And he's just so smooth. Like, a lot of people don't understand. I think John Wall was saying this on one of his little IG stories one time. Like, Bill is, like, really athletic. Like, he just don't really show it like that. Like, he's not – I guess when people think of athlete, they think of, like, Derrick Rose, right? But like, Bill has a 40-inch vertical. Like, his combat athletic testing was through the roof. Mm-hmm. He just – he uses it in a different way. He uses it to get to his jump shot instead of using it to, like, get downhill and dunk on people. Mm-hmm. And, like, and you watch him, and you're like, man, how the hell did he get to that spot like that? Like, because it doesn't look, again, it's not like a Derrick Rose-type athleticism, but it's, like, it, it's it's very deliberate, and it's like the defender just can't react to it. You can't react in time, because by the time you react into one move, he already on the next move pulling up and, and you look embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, <laughs> that's why I feel like for me, like him and Harden are the best shooting guards in the league because of that athleticism. Like CJ, Booker, they're, like they're great scorers, but to me, they don't have that that athleticism that Bill has where like he can do certain things that you just like, you're not supposed to be able to do that. So. Yeah, so, um, I mean, nothing we didn't already know about Brad. He's a damn good player. Um, yep. I mean, I, I feel very lucky that we have him, at least for the time that we do. Um, let's get into Russ. I, you know, so Russ does some good things that really do help this team. Um, specifically, I think of the rebounding, which I think gets overlooked. Because coming into the season, you were looking at Thomas Bryant being our best rebounder, and that was 
Sorry, that was not going to cut it. Um, Yeah. So someone who can get the rebound, push immediately, get guys up the floor, let them shoot, let them attack off uh, the perimeter, whatever. I think that's valuable for us. What... And I said this even when John Wall was here. I think sometimes with the rosters that we've had, we don't need the point guard to necessarily try and go supernova or be Superman and do all this stuff because you have Brad on the team. You have other guys that can score to an extent, and especially when Rui comes back. I know it may be a little bit different with Rui at right now, but we don't need... Russ coming down, shooting these dumb threes, shooting all of these terrible contested mid-range shots. Um, so I'm kind of in between right now whether I would say it's good or bad because while he does do some good things, you also see the stuff where like people that know the game and watch Russ say it, they're like, yeah, he, he'll take you out of the game. Um, yeah. And I feel like at times, like, he does stuff that truly does, like, you know, take us out of the game. We lose momentum. So, and I'm not discrediting his talent or his career because he's a hell of a player. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But it's just, like, for this team, like, we just don't need you to do some of the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, I was listening to Katz earlier, and he was saying that, Russ is the type of player where he he said there's a misconception about Russ that Russ goes into a game and it's like he's going to take shots no matter what. Like where he goes into a game with the idea that he's going to take a certain amount of shots and he's going to gun for his. And he was saying that Russ is really not like that. Russ plays based on who's on the floor with him. So if you put Russ on the floor with four guys who can't shoot, then he's going to shoot those mid-range shots. He's going to shoot threes. Whereas if you put Russ on the floor with four guys who can shoot, then he's going to defer to those guys. And and I kind of think that might be true because I'm like, if you're looking at Russ and he's on the floor with Ish Smith, Neto, Troy Brown Jr., and Thomas Bryant, I mean, not Thomas Bryant, uh, uh, Lopez, that's going to force him into shots that we don't want him taking. And, you know, those stupid mid-range shots. And, you know, it clogs the lane up. And one thing Kaz was saying, he was like, he's going to try to force, he, he's going to try to get downhill to get layups. But if there's no downhill to get to, then, then he's going to rely on the mid-range shot, which we don't want. So you have to almost kind of play lineups that protect Russ from himself. Um, and that means playing him with four shooters, which goes back to Scott Brooks. Like, why are you playing Russell Westbrook at any point in time with a lineup of Lopez, uh, Ish Smith, and Troy Brown Jr.? Three non-shooters. Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And, you know, we're, we're 0-3. I wouldn't say we're 0-3 because of Russell Westbrook's play. Um, Not at all. You know, he has some warts to his game, but he's 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 down the list for me as to why they're owing right now. Because if when I look at the lineup numbers, like when he's in the lineup with Beal, Bonga, Denny, and Bryant, 
they have one of the best that's one of the best fives in the NBA. Now, when you put him in there with Neto, Ish, Troy Brown Jr., or Robinson and Lopez, it's one of the worst lineups in the NBA. And so his warts become more evident. So again, it goes back, it goes back to Brooks. Like, what the hell is Brooks doing? Like, you, you gotta I, I think Russ will be fine. I'm more worried about Russ. Like the the whole the knee and his his health. Like, why is he missing dunks? Why is he not able to really blow by guys like I saw him do last year and years prior? Um, you know, he gets open lanes and he's going up for layups, and I'm used to him punching those. So that's what's kind of throwing me. I'm more worried about that than some of his his stylistic fit because I think that can be fixed by by the lineups. Right, because I thought the whole thing with getting Russ in here was, well, he's going to be healthier than John. And it's like, so they're essentially in the same situation because they're both going to play a lot of minutes, but they're both not going to play back-to-back. So it's like, why, again, are you giving up a first-round pick for someone who's not going to be able to play back-to-backs? It's just... um, Yeah. it's like you really may as well have just kept the guy that's been here for 10 years. Um, yeah, because again, I'm, I'm not saying, and again, it's three games in, but if you're, if you're making sort of a lateral move, why do you even make it for a guy who's been here for 10 years? It's just, and again, I'm not saying it can't yeah. change, it, it's very early in the season, but. So far, I mean, and, and I'll say this now, because if Brad requests a trade and you dealt away John Wall already, Tommy Shepard should not keep his job. And I don't know, and I don't yeah. know how much Ted Leonsis has, has factored into this, because if Ted Leonsis was like, okay, I want John out no matter what, then I get it. But... If this was Tommy, like, maybe even trying to convince Ted, like, no, let's get a... Like, if Tommy... And Scotty talked and we're like, no, we should get Russ in here. Russ will really help us. And they kind of talked Ted into it. Then, I mean, Tommy really just should not have his job. Yeah, it it, it should be a quick tenure. On that, I, I mean, just from the tea leaves I've been reading, it just seems like Ted was done with John. Once that video dropped, you know, I just think he was done. And... It was like, Tommy, get me the best player you can for John Wall. And that player was Russell Westbrook. I think they looked at Russ's, you know, uh, work ethic and his, you know, his off-the-court character, and they were like, we can make it work. Yeah. And, and, and that's what they're trying to do now. I don't, I don't think it was – I don't think they looked at it as – you know, ladder remove or move that makes us better. I just think they looked at it as the wall error is done. So let's get the best player we can for this player that we no longer want in our organization. But, and again, but it goes back to like, did we not know that wall was affiliated? Like, how is the surprise to anyone? And here's my bigger question. <laughs> Who, what Wizards fan, at least on Twitter, and I know there's uh, a couple boomers and whatnot, but it's like, who was really offended 
by that because I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, like, that that go back to, like, just how green, you know, the people running this organization are. Like, it's like, how do you not know that? Like, what are you, I mean, are you living under a rock? Like, right. But <laughs> it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme. I just think it's, it's the, it's the, you know, Ted has a way he wants the, the team to look from an image standpoint. You know, Tommy talks about character, character, character all the time. Although I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because, you know, if you, if you, if you field in a team of a bunch of choir boys, I don't know that you win in a bunch of games. No, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that's, how, that's how you pass on a bowl bowl for Admiral Schofield, who's no longer in the NBA. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, where, yeah, it's cool. Like, you want your top guys to be, you know, char- you, want, you want more character guys than not. But that shouldn't be the end-all, be-all for how you, you evaluate your team and, players on your roster like you kind of need a mixture of a little bit of, of both like you need you need a guy you need a Dennis Rodman every now and then <laughs> like you just do you need that dog because that's that that drives these guys in those critical moments to 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 have that will to to just put their bodies on the line and you know we'll we'll see we'll see I just think it it just to me it just seemed like it was Ted driving it to say get this guy <clears> off my team and Russ was available and and then Russ wanted to be here you know Russ wanted to be here so then it's like okay well we have a guy that's a Hall of Famer that wants to be here so let's go get him yeah I mean at the end of the day if, if I'm a GM or a coach I, I care much more about the results and all that other stuff because in my opinion the winning will is the number one thing that will fix any culture or any locker room problem when you start losing is when all the bad stuff starts to come out and when all the bad stuff really starts getting more attention when you're winning no one gives a crap right um so to me i would be more concerned about putting a talented team on the floor that can go out there and win games especially after the whole Gilbert Arenas thing, because it really just seems like since then, I mean, this franchise just really hasn't been able to, to get back on track. And it's not any disrespect to, to Randy Whitman or John Wall or Bradley Beal or whomever in particular. It's just the, the franchise has just been mismanaged for a long time. And it's just at some point, you got to be able to put together a winning team. And I listened to... I think it was I think it was Diolante's video um, on YouTube, and he said that the the number two things that we need to fix, and we said this on the pod here, but the two things that they needed to address um, going into the offseason was they needed a vet wing, and they needed a big who could defend, and they came away with no vet wing and Robin Lopez. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, it, it, mean, see, it makes you laugh, right? Issues. Exactly. I mean, they're saying issues pre-draft are the same issues post-draft. Shooting, yeah. perimeter defense, interior defense. Now, I think they kind of got – we got lucky in, in what Denny has shown because I think yes. he covers both shooting and defense. He does a lot. He's come along shooting perimeter defense-wise. But 
Interior defense is still an issue. Um, yeah, and Lopez is clearly not the answer to that at all. And it's and it's like, and I know Vucevic can stretch the floor, so it's a little bit harder. But like Marco Fultz is bullying people at the rim, but eventually you need that center to fly over and block a shot. And it's yeah, like they I don't mean, do it. I would pref- I would prefer the guard just don't get beat off the dribble in the first place. <laughs> well, right, right, but it wasn't even that Lowe was being beat off the dribble; he was just being bullied. Like yeah, when you're getting, getting matched physically, like you can't, you can stay in front of that all you want, but eventually, like you're just going to keep getting past him. And, and, that, and that's a situation where you just say, okay, well, we need to put a stronger guy on him. Like that's right. Let's right. put some size on. Because again, Ryan Neto is what six feet six one. I think he's. I think he's like. Yeah, man. I, think, I thought he was. Like I think Fultz is like. Fultz is like six four two something. Like that's that's all day for him. Yeah. Um. So why not put a bigger guy on him? You know he can't shoot. So all you doing is playing him away from the rim. And if you put a Denny or a Bongo on him, I'm positive that he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. <laughs> And again, this is just this is basic stuff, man. Like, I don't understand why it's such a struggle. And it's not like Bonga had played all of these minutes and was tired and you know, he played 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just crazy, man. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't Yeah. Um but definitely some good things again. I think Bonga and Denny are probably my two biggest surprises so far, especially Bonga's shooting because I think that we knew he would probably still kind of be a rocky defender. He would probably still foul a lot, but his shooting was going to be the thing that separates. Okay, he should be getting quality minutes, or he just really shouldn't play at all. Because coming into the year, I was like, yeah, he probably just really shouldn't play. But based on what we've seen now, and I know it's different because of the Rui injury, because who knows, maybe if Rui was healthy, maybe Bonga isn't playing. Um, but, you know, yeah. he, he is, and I think he's playing well, and I think it's going to be another tough decision when Rui comes back to who's going to be losing minutes. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Like I'm, that, I mean, yeah, it has well, to be Ish Smith or Robin that, Lopez. That five is so good. Numbers wise, like I'm like, man, do you mess that up? Like, and I love Rudy, but like, yeah, the Denny Bonga pairing is working, and it's like, we trying to win games, man. Do you just, do you just who do you, I mean, Denny's gonna be a starter. I don't think Bonga's gonna be a starter, so you're gonna go to Russ, Bill, Denny, Rudy, Bryant. I'm curious to see what happens to their defensive numbers. When that happens, um, yeah, and it's like, and then if you're moving Bonga to the bench, well, what happens with Troy Brown and Javon Robinson? I mean, to me, you just put Troy at point, and then you just don't play Ish Smith. And Ish Smith is so weird because he played so well last year, like he was so good, and this year it's like. He he's had some okay moments, but it's like he's a totally again, different Ish Smith this year. Who was he on the floor with most of the time when he played last year? Yeah, Bertans, Beal, Bertans, and Beal. Yeah, shooters. Well, now he's on the floor with non-shooters, and and he's going out there 
as playing like he's the number one scoring option. Yeah. <laughs> he's in the game. yeah. And, and rightfully so, because, I mean, if I'm on the court with Troy Brown Jr., uh, 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 Jerome Robinson, Robin Lopez. Yeah, you got to kind of be the guy. Yeah. I got to be aggressive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you took him out of his element. Yeah, it's. I know that Howell Neto has, has certainly deserved minutes at this point, but again, it's like when when Rui comes back, someone is going to have to be that odd man now. And it's like, okay, well, you just accepted Troy's team option for the next year. Are you really going to bench him? But uh, Bonga's played really well. Are, are you benching him because I'm not? And then, nope. So you look more at the garbage. Jerome Robinson wasn't already playing anyway. Robin Lopez, I'm sure they're going to keep playing because of um, his money, at least for now. So it's like it it, it kind of either it's like it, it's a Smith um or it's Hall Neto. And it's Hall Neto got to play, man. He I, does. He does. I agree he with you. Play. He's played well enough. You can make a case he should be starting over yeah. us. Yeah. Like yeah. That's how good he's played. So he ain't coming out my rotation. Uh-huh. No. Like like at all. Like if if we going off of who should be coming out of the rotation based on the play in the three games, it should be Javon Robinson and Troy Bryant. Right. But we well, know there's politics with all of this. Right. And the GMs want to look a certain way and, and show that, hey, I made a good draft pick. So, you know, I think Troy might get a longer leash than maybe he should, even mm-hmm. if it means playing him at positions where he shouldn't be playing. Versus playing the guy that should be in that spot. Like, if it was up to me, you know, I could I could understand when Rui come back, you put Rui in the starting lineup because I mean you you've invested a lot in that. Um, but then the reserves would be Neto at the one. I would bring up Matthews to play the two. I would have Bonga at the three, Bertans. And, and then Lopez. And then I'm trying to find a trade for Ishmith and Troy Brown Jr. I think that's enough to get you a quality veteran. There may not be any picks involved. I mean, you would like to at least get a second back for that, at least because I think Troy Brown is still um, – I mean, if he's in the right situation, I still think Troy Brown could be a hell of a player. Um, but, I mean, you're realistically talking about just bringing in a quality vet, and that's probably kind of it, um, which I would still take, by the way. But it's just hard because it's like if you want it just if you're trying to trade Troy and you want him to be in some part of the deal, then you want him to be out there getting the minutes so that he can show the other teams like yeah, yeah he's got it. But the thing is if you put him out on there with this team out on the court, he looks bad. So it's kinda <laughs> like it's like there there's no right way really to handle it. But I'm with you, like you have to keep Bonga, and so I think that that lineup that you said is exactly how I would handle it at this point, um, which is kind of weird because if we said this coming in preseason, I'd be like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. But um, Howell looks looks damn good. Bonga looks like good. he should still be out there. Um, I, the like one the player Brooks, gotta, Brooks got to get a pair of uh, balls, man. It just. Find your eight nine man rotation 
and and what lineups work together and, and go with that. Because he's got to save his job at this point. There is no more dicking around. You, you got to figure out what got, works and you got to go out there. He, he has to be coaching for his job at this point. Like your next three games, two against the 0-3 Bulls and then the Minnesota Timberwolves who suck. You lose those he's games, you're getting fired. As far as I'm concerned. Yep. I'll tell you what, if, if he loses these next two games against the Bulls, he's fired. 100%. Oh, he will have to be. There is no way you could convince the fan base that after that and after the years that we've seen, if you go out there and you blow both of these games to the Chicago Bulls, there is no way he does not get fired. There's just no you, way. You cannot start 0-5 in a 72-game season and think you're going to all of a sudden turn it around and be playing high-level back. I, I just – no. That, like, five games – and against mediocre comp, like I said, I'll take Philly out. Like, Philly, you blew that game, too. Even though but, we should have won that game. Yeah, it, it's in B. I'll give you the Philly game. But them two games versus the Magic, you should have won those. Um, and then you should win these next three. So if you coming out and you, you know, five and one, well, then that stretch of games you got versus the Nets, Celtics, I think they got – I think they got like four straight playoff teams after the Timberwolves. You got some leeway to work with. But you didn't already came out 0-3. If you start the season 0-5 or 1-5. You're going 0-8 or 1-7 or whatever. You can mess around and be <laughs> you can you can mess around and be 1-9 or 0-10. Like, and then it's really done. It's really curtains at that point. Yeah, you might as you have to tank at that point and trade Beal at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. At that point, you gotta make the call. You gotta make the call. And, and that's what makes this so frustrating. Is and even if you had Wall, it's like you still have a guy that's been here, so it's kind of more tolerable, at least for the fans. But now you're talking about like again rebuilding, and then you have Russ leading the way. Like that is not good for Rui and Denny. I'm sorry, it's just not. If you want them to grow and be alphas. Ideally, you would want John Wall here because John Wall can kind of take a backseat at times. Like, Russ is literally like, he needs the ball. And again, it's not like he plans to go out there and do this, but he just goes out there and he just takes a lot of shots. Um, you know, I mean, he is what he thing. is. You got, you, got, you got basically four point guards on this roster that need the ball. Russell Westbrook, yeah. Is Smith, Troy Brown. <laughs> like, well, no, three point guards. You got, you got three point guards on this roster. That well, and Neto. Neto, Neto is the only one that could play off ball. Yeah. So <sighs> he gonna have Brooks gonna have to grow up here if he wants yeah. to save his job. It's, it's it's no more experimenting the the, the four guard lineup shit like that. No more of that. I don't want to ever see that again. <laughs> so what do we have? Come we have the Bulls twice. We have the Wolves, and then who do we have after that? I know you said. Brooklyn and Boston, but like in what order and all that? Do you have the schedule in front of you? Yeah, let me let me pull it up here. Uh, so you got Bulls, Bulls, T Wolves. So then you got Nets away, Sixers away, Celtics away, Heat at home, Suns at home. Jazz at home. So you play. You're talking about like 0 and 15 right now. Oh my god! <laughs> you oh, play geez. you play six straight playoff teams. Oh dang! 
<laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, you have to win these games that are there for you. It's the same. It's, I mean, we've been saying this for years now. When you drop those games that are right there for the taking, it hurts you because then when you play the actual good teams, you know you're going to potentially drop some of those. And it puts yeah. you in a hole. <sighs> I mean, really, because, I mean, and this isn't even just being negative. Like, you're realistically talking. And, like, in that case, if you lose these games to the Bulls, like, you're legit going to be like 0-13, oh, 0-14. <laughs> I, I don't think they'd go that bad. I don't think, like, you got Russ and Bill. Like, bad, Brad ain't going out like that. But I mean, you could be I mean, looking at, you know, four, four and ten, you know, five and nine. Like, that's not how you want to start the season. Man. Like, you were supposed to win those two Magic games, and then you're supposed to take care of Bulls, Bulls, T-Bulls, and then you five and one. And then you go into these games, these next six, Saying shoot, if we could just split, we we be five hundred. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the only thing I would say to what you were saying, like Beal ain't going out like that. Like Beal is Beal's doing what he can now, and like he's playing at an MVP level, and we're still not winning games. So yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I, I mean, I, I I gotta think some adjustments are gonna be made. Like, doubt it, Brooks. Is annoying as hell, but he ain't foolish. I'd imagine some adjustments are made, and they're able to get some of some of these next. What's that? What, what nine games I just ran off? Because you got three versus non-playoff teams, and then six straight versus playoff teams. So out of these next nine, you zero and three. How many you think you Brooks needs to win to keep his job? Out of the next nine. So let's see. We have, again, I just want to make sure I have this. So we have the Bulls twice. You have yep. the Wolves. And then yep. what you said, uh, Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, Utah, and Phoenix. Yep. Brook- yep. Um, so so Brooklyn on the road, Sixers on the road, Celtics on the road, Heat at home, Suns at home, Jazz at home. To keep his job, believe it or not, I honestly don't think it's going to take much. So, um, well, let's see, three, four, so that's, what, 11 games, I guess? How many games is that total? So that's nine games. Nine, ga- nine games, nine games. Um, I mean, he's got to win, like, I would think somewhere between three and four, because if he comes out and only wins, like, a game or two, like, you got to go. So you said, yeah, I would say you got to win four of them things, man. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm kind of at because the only thing I'm saying is like, if Tommy and Ted consider like level of competition, then like yeah, because like the three and the four is like so you should beat the Bulls twice, you should beat the Wolves, and then to me like you should be able to win one of those other games to prove that like you're legit. Four, even if you get the four, you're still sitting at four and eight. Yeah. So it's like. I mean, which it's still kind of early, you know. I mean, it's it a lot of. I mean, the top teams in the East right now are the Cavs and the Magic. I mean, do we really think that's gonna hold? Like the um, Raptors have looked bad. The Celtics have looked pretty bad. Did the Nets lose last once, night? What was that? 
Did the Nets lose last night? I thought they played. I thought they were undefeated. Yeah, they lost. They lost. Uh, but they rested Kyrie and KD, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's going to be a theme, though. Like, you know, Kyrie don't stay healthy, and KD coming off Achilles, he's 32, so they're going to rest. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, dude. The, ne- the, Nets, look, uh, the Nets look pretty dangerous. Uh, oh, yeah. Four, I mean, then they just lost Dinwiddie, too. Yeah, and that's going to put some monkey sucks. wrench in that Harden trade because I that this zero percent chance now that Harden trade is happening and going to the Nets. Yeah. So, <sighs> you know. But yeah, I mean, and, and this is what I was talking about in the off season because you looked at the bottom of the Eastern Conference and those two bottom teams, the Cavs and the Hawks, they're not they're not the bottom teams anymore. Like that, they improved drastically whether through free agency or through the draft or you figure yeah. the, the young guys that they already have are going to take that next step because if you look at the Hawks, they may have one of the deepest teams in the Eastern Conference. They have an all-NBA point guard and Trey Young, whether you want to argue his defense or not. Um, he's still one of the best scorers in the league. And then yeah. you have athletic guys in the front court like Capella, John Collins. You have the shooters like Gallinari, Bogdanovich, uh, yep. Kevin Herter. And then for the Cavs, you have you got an all-star, all-star power court, forward. Man. You have a center who can get you 20 and 20 every night. You have Sexton and Garland, who are both very solid. And Okoro seems like he's going to be a solid rookie. So... Um, they're both very solid teams. The only teams that I, the only team I think you can probably lock being towards the bottom of the East at this point, it's like it's the Knicks and the Pistons, and then yeah, I think that, those are your bottom feeders. <laughs> and the Hornets and the Hornets. Because uh, I don't like the I don't like the Hornets. I don't think they have a good roster. I think even the Hornets though are going to compete on a night to night basis. Like I, I think they're going to compete, man. Like. Like I don't look at their roster and be like, "Oh yeah, that's they're just they're trash." Like I think really the only two like teams where you say, "Okay, that's that should be your W," are the Knicks and the Pistons. Outside yeah, of them, fair. like I think all the teams compete in the East. Same in the West. <clears throat> like, there's really no probably the Warriors. The Warriors, the <laughs> Warriors look really bad. Kelly Oubre um, looks like garbage. Yeah, I mean, it's Steph and a bunch of, ugh. Um, I feel so bad for the Warriors, man. I know a lot of people don't like them because, like, they, they ran the, the league for so long, but, like, I really do feel bad for them because I was hoping that they would challenge the Lakers this year. Yeah, that's, that's uh, not happening. So. At all. Uh, but, <clears throat> I mean, every night is potentially, I mean, the fact that the Cavs are good, like, I was joking on Twitter, and I was like, you know, whenever I run my 2K Sims for this season, they always have the Cavs as, like, a top-four seed in the East, and I'll just be like, how? But then when yeah. you look at their roster, like, you know, you're kind of looking at it, thinking about what they, how bad they were last year, but Drummond got there at the back end of the season. Right. Kevin Love was hurt all season. Um, right. You know, and Garland had a bad rookie year. Mm-hmm. Well, now... Garland looks good. He looks like the top five pick that he was. Sexton is is playing like an all-star. He's an all-star. Uh, Seti Osman is shooting the lights out of the ball. Okoro looks like a top five rookie. Drummond is giving you 15 and 15. And Kevin Love is Kevin Love. So it's like, why not? Why couldn't they be a good team? 
Yeah, um, I agree with you. I th- so, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about the Wizards, if they can't figure it out, being in that next tier of badness behind the Knicks and the Pistons, which for two all-NBA-level players on your roster, it's, it's just like, how? That's the worst-case scenario, man. Well, that would be so bad. <laughs> I mean, and it's not out of the realm of possibility either. Like, this isn't us just, like, being negative-negative. Like, no, this is real. This is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, what I'm, what I'm hoping, I don't suspect Brooks to keep doing dumb stuff. That doesn't make sense. You don't? I believe Bertans will get his legs. He'll get in rhythm, get in shape. I believe Russ will get more acclimated to the roster. He'll have better lineups and shooting around him. Um, and you'll get Rui back. Uh, and I think they'll be, they'll play around 500 ball. Okay. But it's like, is that going to be enough to dig you out of the hole that clearly Brooks is going to put them in? Yeah. I was going to ask you your prediction for this next stretch of games. Um, for the, for the next nine? <clears throat> yeah. Or, or just the next three? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go ahead and fast forward a little bit. Let's do let's do that next nine. Uh, okay. Um, in Wizards fashion, they're going to lose one of these next three. Yes, that's going to piss us off. So or I'll two. Say they go two to be and one over the next three. Okay. And then I'll say over that six. Which which ones are the ones at home? Um, let's see. We got Nets on the road. Kyrie and KD are going to play that game. That's it. 76ers on the road. I think, I think we win that one. I think they beat the Sixers. Yeah. I think they lose to the Celtics. I think they beat the Heat. Okay. That's I bold. think they beat the Suns. And then I think they lose. Okay. So I'm going to go. They get, they get five. I'm going to say they get five of the next. Okay. Um, I think. I'll say, uh, I'll say four, I guess. Even though I really want to say three, <laughs> um, but I'll take four. I'll take four. I think that they will beat Philly. Um, they'll beat the Bulls once. They'll beat the Wolves, and then. Oh wow! Okay, I'm, I might really only be saying three then because I don't see how they beat anyone else. Um, <laughs> I mean, do, but see, okay, well, do they beat the Bulls twice? Okay, I'll say four. They'll, they'll beat the Bulls twice. So you think they win three straight? Yeah. Beat the Bulls twice yeah. and then beat the T-Wolves? I guess, sure. I'll say four. You got them at four. Who's, so who's was, the fourth win coming from? Philly, um, Chicago twice, and Minnesota. Okay. So, so damn, you got them losing. So then you got them going uh, uh, three and one over the next four and then losing five straight. <laughs> I mean, 
realistically, like, who are they beating in that group? I don't think they're beating Utah. I don't think that they're beating Phoenix. Phoenix is too good for them. Phoenix hasn't looked that good, though, man. Devin Booker always fries us. It doesn't matter. Devin Booker always fries us. And Aiton. Bryant is no match for Aiton. We saw that last year. Bryant gets fried. I mean, I don't know. Aiton, to me, a little overrated. Like, I, I... Yeah, he hasn't been looking all that this year either. Um, so I don't know. I, I like I said, I think they could beat them. Um, but again, I think they can. Not, I just don't think they will with Scott Brooks' coach team. Right. Nothing. But I'm saying they they could. They probably should, but it doesn't mean they will. So, because I mean, we again when you were talking about earlier, like you always need to win those games you can win. I mean, you're talking about a team that's good for two losses against the Sacramento Kings every year. So. <laughs> I mean, like, really... I'm so sick of the whole, oh, the Magic have our number. No, 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 no. No, they don't. No, they don't. They just got yeah. a head coach that knows how to adjust in the goddamn game. Like, they don't have your number. Yeah. I mean, for the while, <laughs> like, for a while we had how many number. How many different uh, players have been in and out of this, <clears throat> this org now, and they still continue to lose to the Magic? Like, it's not they have your number. They done had different coaches now. Yeah. It's you. It's you, Scott Brooks. It's you. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, I just hope that Scott Brooks isn't fired before Rui gets back. <laughs> you hope that he isn't or you hope that he is? I hope that he isn't. Okay. See, I hope that he is. Um, but I guess that would mean that the team Cause, is Because to bad. me, Scott Brooks fired means the season was a disaster and then all the Bill's gone. follow that, Bill being traded, all of that come with it. And I don't want that for this team. Right? See, so <laughs> I guess I'll be adding on a few more minutes here. Um, so my thing again eventually was it, the rebuild was inevitable. The, the total teardown was inevitable, whether you kept or traded Wall. It was always like, I just, they're not going to get over the hump. They just aren't. Um, and Beal's not going to be patient enough to want a new head coach to come in who's going to probably want a totally different set of players with totally different ideals. It's going to take time for his or her culture uh, to get established. Um, so Is I it don't, though? I, I think mean, it we've would. seen so many teams get a coach and then boom, 50 wins. Okay, Nick Nurse was already on the Raptors staff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Mike Boonhoser, the Bucks hired him. Boom, fifty wins. But you had, but you had like a history there because that Hawks team probably shouldn't have been as good as they were. Yeah, yeah, that Hawks team, you know, overachieved because of coaching and system, and then uh, the Bucks saw that and said, "Hey, let's get but, that mind here," and. He'll get us to you know top three seeds, and that's exactly what happens. You're one, but there's no veteran coach right now who's going to be able to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because it's like I really think that the next coach they hire should be someone with no experience that that has no head coaching resume. And I know, like you, like Kenny Atkinson. Um, I would rather go the route of. Of like Darvin Ham, Sam Cassell. I mean, you know, right? So you would go. That. So you would go like development coach, like a coach that has no tread on his tires at all, 
Yeah, especially if Beal's gone. Yes. Youth absolutely. movement, total rebuild. Yeah. Like starting over. You need to you need to find a way to to buy the fan base's trust back again because it, again, it, it, we talk about this so much. You cannot keep half-assing the the processes with this organization. You just can't. It's either you need to go all in or you need to admit that it, it's it's just time. And it's not like they don't have pieces to build around. They have Rui and Denny, and then you talk about drafting a point guard or whatever to go with them next year, and you try and get some assets and a trade back for Beal. Maybe you're not as bad as you think you might be. I mean, I don't know. Are Wizards fans really ready for, like, a a tank season, like multiple tank seasons where you're 10 games into the season and you know you're picking top three in the draft? I'm tired of watching really Scott Brooks coach. I'm tired of watching Beal get 30 to 40 a night with nothing to show for it. And I really believe that they have two young building blocks that they can build a team around and be competitive with. So I'm ready for it. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I think it all depends on what Beal does. Like if Beal, I, I just, I'm curious to how, <clears throat> how much Beal is tied to Brooks and Tommy Shepard. Um, or does he have like a direct line or relationship with Ted? Where it's like if Ted says, Hey, hey Bill, what do you think about us moving on from Tommy Shepard and going after Masai Ujiri and getting you a coach, another coach that is going to run, you know, that that has that mind that can truly take your game to the next level so that you're like I don't want to say hard in the East, but you're playing a style of basketball that maximizes your ability. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to me, I I don't think that they're just going to be able to do anything that's ever going to make them truly competing for a championship. And that's what this is all about. So to me, they they've exhausted their resources. They've had more than enough sample sizes through the years. I just, I'm not saying do it right at this moment, but I would much rather be sold on a rebuild with a coach that can grow with the young talent that we have than keep trying to put square pegs into round holes, which is what this organization has been doing for, I mean, ever since Wall was drafted. So, yeah, it's it's tiring. tiring. It sucks because it's like, You have the, I feel like they have the talent, but they don't, they didn't invest properly in the coaching. And now it's like, okay, do you give up on the talent because you don't have the right coach? Or do you just get rid of the coach and you find the proper coach that can really elevate your talent? Because we've never had a coach where I've been like, yeah, that coach is going to, you know, like a Brad Stevens where, you look at the roster on paper and you say, uh, that's only a 40-win team. But because of coaching, they're a 50-win team. Like a Eric Spolstra or Brad Stevens. Like that type of guy. And like I'm like, why can't we find that guy? Well, and that's the thing too, is because if we do find that guy, it's going to take a few years. There's not any veteran coach out there right now that's going to come in and make us this competitive-ass team. We thought that's what Scott Brooks was going to be. And the veteran well, Scott Brooks was a Scott Brooks. I think is a special case because that was to get KD here, right? I mean, which let's, was be, let's, so be, stupid. let's keep it bugged. That was that was to get KD here. But I mean, <laughs> like 
a real because I don't even think they interviewed anybody else. Like no, I'm talking about like a real legitimate search. Yeah. Where you identify guys system wise, uh, culture wise, that you know, maybe we never have heard of. Cause I mean, who 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 had Brad Stevens been an elite coach? Yeah. Who has Spostra being an elite coach? Like you you gotta identify those guys and then and then hire them. And I'm just like, what's stopping the Wizards from being able to do that? But knowing Ted and knowing Tommy, do you trust them to go out there and find that guy? I don't know that Tommy's going to be in the equation on that. Either way, do you trust Ted? Because I don't. Um, I think I I don't I don't know. Man. I I don't know. I, I damn. I feel like Ted has the ability because he's done it in other other avenues, but I don't he <laughs> like I mean the whole spill he video. gave with the whole monumental sports and reevaluating and how he left it to 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 Ernie too much and all of that. Like it sounded like he had a real self-reflection come to Jesus moment. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I this know. is the guy again who wanted John Wall traded because of a five-second video. The yes. guy who's been here for ten years and has given you nothing but his all, and has never even hinted at wanting to leave the team, even throughout the the poorly constructed rosters and the coaching and all that. You but traded him away he, because he, of a five-second video. He's also the same guy that rightfully targeted Masai and Connolly. Like, those would have been A-plus hires. Yeah, you can aim all you want, but at the end of the day, you <laughs> got to be able you got to be able to, you know, bring it home. You know, you got to be able to hire the guy. You got to be able to draw him into your organization. So what about Ted is making guys not want to come here? Yeah. Yeah. Is he too cheap? Gotta what is it about there? the Wizards? I don't think it's a cheap thing. I think it's just we're the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that he identified those two guys as guys that were should probably be here, that to me, I guess, is giving me hope that he can identify the right guy that can right the ship. The 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 yeah. pause is whether he can close the deal and bring them here. Right, because we saw even when they were looking at acquiring other talent to bring in, like, weren't we interested in Paul George? I mean, I knew at one point when Mark Gasol was really good, I knew, I knew there were reports that you were interested in him. Uh, yeah. Lord knows how many other players we've been in talks to to try and bring here. I mean, we missed out on Al Horford. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, so why why aren't we bringing guys here? So this isn't, to me, it's not just like, well, you go get the coach you'll want and you bring him in because there's going to be other guys probably interested as well. And I know DC has a big market and everything like that, but like, what about the Wizards and however many years is going to make you say, yeah, I want to go and coach that organization again. Scott Brooks was brought here because of Kevin Durant. And then they yeah. didn't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant. I mean, that's embarrassing. That, that's embarrassing. I think... I don't think it's embarrassing in the sense that you didn't get a meeting with Kevin Durant because I don't think Durant ever wanted to play home. The embarrassing part is that you didn't know that before you did all this stupid stuff to entice him. But that, like so you should have had know? intel on what <clears throat> he wanted to do 
before anybody. Right. That's that's a like, part this, of my he's hope he he's was. from your backyard. You should have known, yeah, Katie don't really want to play home. That's not something we should even really entertain. Right, right. That's what I said. Like it's plenty videos. of coaches and and you know, homies you could have talked to in the area that would have told you that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's like that's the frustrating thing because I said that in my video too. I'm like, with the way things leak out and the way people communicate with each other before negotiate negotiations and stuff like that. If why would you put all your eggs in the basket of Kevin Durant if you hadn't even heard anything about him wanting to come play? It's like he just got hyped off of the fan speculation with no information to back that up. Because if there was even some information about him wanting to come play for us, we probably would have at least met with him. Yeah. Well, we I mean they went and hired <laughs> and Kenny or, uh, so far to high um, David Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> One of his high school coaches. It's like, why are you doing this? Like, has he given you any inclination that he would want to play home? And from right. everything I've heard since that debacle, he never wanted to play home. Not right. because of the Wizards. No, you know, but because of yeah. everything that goes along with being home. Yeah. You know, so how how did you not know that? You're a professional organization. You got lawyers and, and investigators out of the wazoo. How do you not know that? Yeah, how do you go make a hire, a coaching hire based on a whim? Yep. So, yep. I, um, hopefully those days are done. I hope that if we do blow it up, it's a legitimate search to identify yes gm and coaching talent to to write the ship man and who knows maybe that was part of the thing with tommy too because maybe they didn't make an external hire because eventually they knew that if brad was going to leave and once john left that they were going to do a full reboot and they were going to want to bring in two fresh minds and it's not to say that tommy tommy's done a terrible job because I don't yeah, think that he he's, he's he been terrible, uh, but I don't think he's been great. So, um, and they're also kind of early two years with a very difficult team. Um, it's kind of hard to measure, and especially if you have like directions from ownership to do certain things, it can kind of make you look bad. So, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to evaluate Tommy, but. Again, maybe that was part of it. You know, we'll just see what Tommy does for a few years, and when we're eventually ready to move on, then we do the full reboot and um, we do this all over again. So, yeah, which it it will be sad. Um, I mean, it's already sad that John is gone, but um, you know that's the business of sports. Players get older, um, things change constantly, and you got to be willing to to move on and to adapt. Not everyone can be the Spurs. And even eventually, you know, the Spurs had to move on. So, Yep. Um, I think that's a good place to leave it off today. Kind of a long episode today. So thank you guys for um, staying tuned in for as long as you did if you made it this far. But uh, we'll probably get back with you. Try sooner rather than later. Um, we're trying to get Chase Hughes on the show. So we'll try and figure out a day for him to come on and chat it up with us. But um, thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next time.